This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Rava. Today, <clears throat> we are continuing with our series, which is titled, The Goodness of God. And this is part two. And part two, we are titling, Experience God's Goodness. Now remember, part one was titled, um, Expect God's Goodness. Today, we want to talk about experiencing God's goodness. Another way you could subtitle that is, how to experience God's goodness. And as you know, we want to take a look at the word in terms of Jesus and the finished work of the cross, because that's what the whole book is about. That's what the message is about. And so <clears throat> let's begin by taking a look at our flagship scripture <clears throat> for the series. And it is Psalm 119, verse 68. <clears throat> From the New King James first. Notice the psalmist, who is David here, King David, <clears throat> and he says, talking about God and talking to God. He says, you are good and do good. Teach me your statues. And you know, in context, David is saying, teach me the statues about your goodness. In other words, teach me about your goodness. Because King David had realized <clears throat> that God is good. He doesn't just have attributes of goodness. Yes, he can and he does and do all kinds of things. He can be good. But more than that, he is good. So David himself discovered that God is good. And then he says, and you do good. And of course, if someone is good, all they can do is good, especially when they're a perfect being such as God. And so God doesn't, He's not just able to do good, He doesn't just choose to do good, He is good itself. And so that's all He will ever do. And this is why <clears throat> I love the way the message translation transliterates all that and helps us understand this even clearer. Watch us from the message translation. He says, You are good. And the source of good. Train me in your goodness. I love the way that this, you know, paraphrases it. And in the original, if you study every word and look at every tense, you'll see that that's exactly what is conveyed. That God is good. He is the source of good. So all of goodness comes from Him. And <clears throat> then the psalmist says, Train me in your goodness. In other words, Show me how to live by your goodness. Show me how to relate. Show me how to understand your goodness. And of course, you know yourself, I cannot imagine one single person that wants to live outside of goodness. We all want good in our lives. We all want to have a good life. We all want to experience, if we're a believer specifically, we want to experience the goodness of God in our lives. Amen. And as the psalmist said, he said, God, you are good. You are the source of good. Train me in your wonderful goodness. And that's what we're doing in this series. Now, just to remind us briefly what we covered in part one. Obviously, we cannot go through it all. And I want to encourage you, if you missed it, 
go back to our website and check it out. Uh, but I want to just bring us back to that thought as we continue with that. And so because we looked at God's goodness and in part one, we spoke about expecting God's goodness. Because if God is good and He only does good, as the one translation puts it, then we should expect God's goodness in our lives. Amen. And so our view of God or and of God's goodness, <clears throat> or more specifically God's goodness. So our view of God's goodness should not be based on anything other than the fact that God is good. Remember we just read, he said, you are good and you do good. One translation says you only do good. And the message said, you are the source of good. So if God is good and He only does good and He is the source of good, therefore our view of God's goodness should not be based on anything other than the fact that God is good. So we shouldn't try and determine God's goodness in our life based on our life experience here on earth. Because we live in a fallen world and we ourselves live in this fallen body even though we are redeemed. And so <clears throat> we're not always going to experience good. It's not always, everything we do is not always going to be good. But we shouldn't use that or that shouldn't be our reference point. That shouldn't be how we determine how we will experience the goodness of God in our lives. Because God is good outside of our doing. God is good outside of our circumstances. God is good outside of creation of all of this because it's who he is so we cannot determine and say well God's going to be good to me based on what I've done here based on what I haven't done there based on what I've avoided there no we cannot do that we cannot assess and determine God's goodness in our lives based on the fact that we think we qualify or even based on the fact that we think we don't qualify because let's face it we all mess up at times but we cannot use all of that as the point of reference or determination of the goodness of God that is manifest in our lives. Because God is good. Let me give you an illustration to help us understand that and bring that home. We know that every single morning the sun will rise. Now it may be a cloudy day for us who are down here. But if you were to able to look past the clouds, the sun still rose. The sun's still there during the day. And so what I'm saying to you is, is that, you know, circumstances on earth could be bad. There could be people rioting. There could be wars going on. A new war breaks out. There could be bad things going on. Crime and, you know, there could be great things going on. And every church could be having a revival. The point is, is, is that no matter what is going on on earth, good or bad, the sun still rose. The sun still rises in the morning. Why? Because that's the sun. That's what the sun is designed to do by God. And so it will always rise in the morning and it will always be there throughout the day. Right? Well, in the same way, so, we, you know, our attitude and what we do on earth and what we don't do on earth isn't going to change the fact that the sun is going to rise every morning and it's there during the day. It's in the same way, God is good and He only does good. 
And so regardless of what's going on in our lives, regardless of what circumstances we may be facing, regardless of how we may be feeling in terms of our worthiness or the lack thereof, God is still good. He is still going to be good to you because that's who He is. He is good. Amen. That's the truth that we need to solidify. And then, of course, the other thing, too, that I want to remind you of is, is that <clears throat> what we believe and how we believe it matters. Remember, we looked at a number of portions where Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. It is because you believe that you have seen this. And then we saw another situation in his hometown that because they did not believe, they didn't experience the goodness of God. And so we need to make sure that we believe <laughs> correctly about the goodness of God because it matters. Because as we believe, we will experience and see more of the goodness of God. Amen. God isn't going to force His goodness on anyone. The earth is full of God's goodness. God's goodness is there all the time. But you can push it away. You can reject it. You can not believe in it and thus not enjoy it and experience it in your life. Amen. But God wants you to experience it. But what, how we believe and what we believe matters. And then, of course, so really what I'm saying in that is, is that we should believe that God is good. Period. Regardless of whatever. God is good. Amen. That's what we should believe and that's what we should stand by. And then in Exodus chapter 33 verse 18 to 20, you remember we looked at how Moses himself, when he was on the mount, after he had received the Ten Commandments, he said to God, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. And God said, all right, Moses, and I'm putting it in my own words. He says, my goodness will pass before you. And then he mentions his grace and compassion. But what God says, and Moses also says, I want to see, I want to experience all of you. I want to experience who you are, the totality of who you are. And God says, it's my goodness. Ultimately, you want to have an experience with me? You want to see who I am? It's my goodness. That's how good God is. Praise God. And then, of course, you know, we saw how Jesus told us that he only did what he saw the Father doing. What did Jesus do? He only did good. In actual fact, John, as you know, said, you know, if books could be written about all the good that Jesus did, no, the earth would not be able to contain all the books because God is good. So all God can be to us is good because He is good. And you should be glad about that. Amen. You should embrace that. Don't let religion tell you otherwise. Don't let legalistic teaching tell you otherwise. God is good. And He can only be good and He can only do good. And that's who He will be and He is to you. He is good. And I mean, you and I both know, if His goodness was conditional, if His goodness was based on our self-effort, on our merit, on our performance, our religious performance, a lot of us would not be enjoying it like we do. Amen? I mean, when we were sinners, we heard this earlier from Pastor Helena, when we were sinners, God died for us. That's how good God is. When we deserved it the least, God was good to us and redeemed us in Jesus. Amen? This is why I say to you, God is good. We should therefore expect God's goodness 
at all times and in every situation. Just like the sun rises at all times and in every situation, God is good to you at all times and in every situation. Amen. So now having said that, today I want to share with us, or I want us to take a look at two aspects which help us experience God's goodness more so. So I want to share some practical things with you that help us just tap in, that help us absorb, that help us attract like a magnet the goodness of God, that facilitates the environment in our lives for the goodness of God. Two specific things, and I believe you'll be blessed. Now, yeah, it may sound familiar, but just listen and you'll see. If anything, it's going to encourage you to just <laughs> get into into that more. Now, I do want to say this before we get into these two things. Don't make this a performance-based thing. Don't think that as I give you these two things, as I share these two things with you, that all of a sudden now you get into this legalistic mode where now I do this and I get that. That's not at all what I'm trying to convey here. What I am trying to convey to you is, is that there is a way we can facilitate the goodness of God in our lives and I'm going to show you two things to do that. Resting in Jesus and the finished work of the cross. Resting in the wonderful grace of God. So don't get into performance mode about these things. It's these things that, you know, just like the sun comes out every day. Well, sometimes it's real hot. So we put on shades and we put on sunscreen. Does that mean that you, you know, <laughs> your sunscreen and your shades have lessened the power of the sun? No, it's just things that we do to adapt and to adjust. And in the same way, these are things that we do <clears throat> to adapt and adjust so that we can maximize the goodness of God in our lives. Praise God. All right, so let's begin with Psalm 34, verse 8, the first part of that verse from the New King James. Watch what the psalmist says here. This is David, by the way. And when David wrote this is when he was acting mad before Abimelech. And, you know, he was trying to find a way out out of some trouble that he was in. And so it's interesting how, if you read the context and the background, how David would say this. But yet he does. Look what he says in Psalm 34 verse 8. He says, to us, to you, the reader, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Powerful words. But notice what I've emboldened in there. Taste and see. So David here is saying to us about God's goodness. He's encouraging us to taste and see the goodness of God. Interesting word choice, isn't it? An interesting phrase for him to use that. And so one of the things that we see in this portion is, is that God wants us to experience His goodness. That's why David says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's another way of saying God wants you to experience for yourself His goodness. In other words, don't experience His goodness from someone else's doing or from someone else's experience or what they've told you or what they say about it. He says, experience it for yourself. Amen. I mean, for example, I can tell you, you know, having been raised in South Africa, I can tell you about South African food. You know, for example, here we have in the United States, we have 
barbecue. In South Africa, they call it braai. Now, in essence, it's the same principle. You are cooking meat over a fire or over coals. But I can assure you and tell you that a South African braai tastes way different than a barbecue. They're both equally good, but I can tell you now as I speak about a South African braai, having been raised with it, even, I mean, my mouth is watering right now just thinking about it. It is that good. And so I can tell you all about it. I can describe the spices. I can describe how it's cooked and what the difference is in what, you know, what they do there. But at the end of the day, the only way you're really going to truly experience a good old South African braai is by tasting and seeing it for yourself. So it would be like me saying, you know, I can tell you all about it for an hour. And then eventually I can say, you know what, just taste and see for yourself. You'll see what I mean. Right? What do I mean when I say that? Have a personal experience yourself. And then you'll know exactly what it, what it tastes like, what it's about. And so this is what the psalmist is saying here. He's saying, you really want to know what the goodness of God is like? Taste and see for yourself. It's an open invitation. He says, God has allowed me to taste and see it. Now I'm encouraging you to taste and see it. And he said this in the midst of trial, in the midst of hardship. And so, you know, <laughs> how much do we need to listen to David and take what he says to heart? Well, absolutely. That's why we're looking at it. And so the first thing we need to settle is, is that God wants us to have a personal experience with his goodness. He wants us to taste it and see it for ourselves. It's an invitation to experience His goodness for ourselves. And so, the best way for you to truly know what something is like is by experiencing it yourself instead of relying on someone else's opinion, someone else's experience. Just like I said to you, I could spend hours, I could spend days telling you all about a South African bride, but eventually you need to taste and see it for yourself then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. And that's what he's saying to us here. And so we need to ask then the question, how do we experience more of God's goodness for ourselves then? How do we begin to taste and see for ourselves? Now, if you've received salvation in Jesus, you've already had a taste of the goodness of God. Because honestly, not a single one of us deserve or could earn salvation. We're all born into sin. We all are descendants of a fallen being. But by the grace of God, because of His goodness, He extended redemption to us. And so when we receive it by believing, by faith, we know that it becomes real. We sense the change on the inside. We sense the rebirth. And we know that we are saved and on our way to heaven. And we know that we have been redeemed. That's the beginning of experiencing the goodness of God. So in truth, we've all experienced, we've all tasted and seen the goodness of God. But yet David says, continue that beyond salvation. Because he's speaking prophetically too. And he is saying, continue to taste and see the goodness of God. So how do we do that? Where do we begin? This is where our two aspects come in. And so here's the first aspect. Let's have a look at that. John 17, verse 3. Watch this. 
And this is eternal life. In other words, you could say this is how to have life the way God has life. And this is eternal life. Watch this. That they, talking about us, that they may know you. Notice capital U, so it's talking about God. So Jesus speaking about God the Father. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, that's the Son, whom you have sent. So look at that real carefully, especially what I've emboldened and what I have in a different color. He's saying here that they may know you, right? It does not say that they may know about you. And I know I'm about to tread on some toes here, but I believe you know me long enough. You know me well enough to know that I'm not here on some egotistical trip to try and prove anything. I want to encourage us. I want to show us how to taste and see more of God's goodness. But I want to highlight to you, he said, that they may know you. He didn't say that they may know about you. You see, all too often, believers think that the knowledge, or should I say, that knowledge about God equals knowing God. And you know, in my own experience, I've come to realize as a teacher of God's Word, I study a lot, I research a lot, I pray a lot, I trust the Holy Spirit to show me so that I can share what's on His heart with you. And I believe that I'm affluent in the things of God. I believe that I'm affluent in, the, in Scripture and understanding Scripture and so forth by the grace of God. But I can tell you, I can know everything there is to know and still not really know God. And that's one of the yearnings of my heart, to really keep on knowing God and know Him more and more. Because there's a huge difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. Many of you have not, some of you have not met, have met me in person, or you know me from way back, but you don't really know me. You know about me, you know some things that I share with you and what you see, but you don't really know me. I mean, I know, and I, and I say this with love and respect, people often say to me, well, you know, Pastor, I've been in this church for so long. I, I'm, you know, I, I know you. And I'm thinking, well, you know me to a degree, but you don't really know me because you don't live with me. And it's not to say that you should. But the point that I'm trying to say is, is that we can know about someone that doesn't mean or equate to the fact that we know that person. And that's one thing we need to settle in our hearts and really just align our belief system and get our spirit plugged in and understand that just because I know a lot about God, it doesn't mean that I know God. And Jesus here said, is knowing God is how we tap, and I'm putting it in my own words in context, and I'll show you in a moment. It is in knowing God that helps us tap into and facilitate an environment, an atmosphere, to experience more of the goodness of God. Here's why. Let's talk about you and me. You know about me, but, and you know me some, but those who really know me, such as my wife and my daughter and my family, those who know me experience me. 
good or bad, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, we're all redeemed in Jesus, but still live in this fallen body. Amen. But the point is, is, is that those who know me get to experience me at a different level, at a different place, in a different way, if I can put it that way, because they know me. And so in the same way, it is when we get to know God, not just about God, is when we begin to facilitate an atmosphere for more of the goodness of God. Because as we get to know Him, we get to experience His goodness, because that's who He is. But if we just know about His goodness, that's pretty much where we'll be stuck. But it's when we get to know Him that we'll, we will also experience His goodness. Does that make sense? I trust that it does. You see, all too often believers think, like I said, that knowledge about God equals to knowing God. And that's not so. Think about Christendom today. There are all kinds of doctrines out there, all kinds of agreements and disagreements. There are all kinds of opinions about baptism, about salvation, about losing your salvation, about grace. And there are some people that have PhD behind their name and MD and D and who, whatever else, you know, they've studied and they've done all of this stuff. And at the end of the day, they teach the doctrine the way they were taught and they continue with that. And some people can break it down for you in the Greek and the Hebrew and take it all the way back to the ancient pictographs, just like I do, and do all of that and yet be filled with all of that knowledge. But when you look at their lifestyle and when you look at what they preach and what they convey ultimately and how they represent God, specifically in a bad light, in a legalistic light, you realize and you know this person knows a lot about God but they don't really know God. And as I'm about to show you, it is in knowing God that we facilitate and tap into experiencing more of the goodness of God. So it's when we get to know Him that we will experience His goodness more and more. In actual fact, the Apostle Peter echoed this. He confirmed this. Watch us now in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and verse 3. Watch this. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied. In other words, increase unto you. And he tells us how. Through the knowledge of God. Notice he didn't say through the knowledge about God. He said through the knowledge of God. Now I know some of you may be saying, well, that sounds like the same thing. Knowledge of God, knowledge about God. It's the same thing. You see, this is where oftentimes, <laughs> doctrinally, people confuse that. This is why sometimes there's such a drive with, amongst believers to get to know a whole lot about God and get to know about God as much as they can. And it's good to do that. I'm not discouraging that at all. That's part of what I do. But the whole goal of getting to know about God is to get to know God, ultimately. And so he says, yeah, grace and peace will increase in your life through the knowledge of God. Not about God, but of God. And of Jesus our Lord, watch this, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things, talking about in and through Jesus, that pertain unto life and godliness. So for our spiritual life and our natural life, watch this, through the knowledge of Him. Notice the knowledge of Him. Not the knowledge about Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. 
That's pretty, a pretty powerful statement that he makes there. Now notice, I've got the, words, the word knowledge, which is used twice there. I've got it in a different color because I want to show you and prove to you from an original source, a lexicon, a dictionary. I want to show you that that's talking about specific knowing God, not knowledge about God. All right, so notice he said, not knowledge about God, but knowledge of, of God. So let me show you that word knowledge that is used there from the HELPS word studies. This is the top of a lexicon, pretty much like the Strong's and everything else. So watch how it puts it. First of all, the word is knowledge. There is the number if you want to go and study it yourself. And it's the word epignosis, something like that in the Greek. Now, watch there. It comes from two words. So it's a compound of two words. It comes from the word epi, which means on or fitting, which intensifies the second word that it comes from, which is gnosis, right? And put together, what gnosis means is knowledge gained through first-hand relationship. There it is right there. Knowledge gained through first-hand relationship. Then it goes on and tells us properly, in other words, put together, what it means is contact knowledge. That is appropriate, apt, fitting to first-hand experiential knowing. So without doubt, when Peter said <clears throat> that grace will increase in our lives through us knowing God. Notice it's not knowing about God. And that's good because that leads us to knowing God. But if all we're after is knowledge about God and we don't make the effort to get to know God and tap, go deeper into knowing God, then oftentimes, and I've lived that too, you know, you wonder, well, God, I, I go to church, I study, I listen to this, I listen to that, and I know, and I can quote scripture, this and that. And God's, <laughs> I know it happened with me one day when I was having a pity party because I wasn't seeing some kind of breakthrough. And God just gently and sweetly said to me, you know a lot about me, but do you really know me? And you know, that's kind of what sparked that in me and made me realize, hold on, there's a difference here. And so you can see from this that Peter's talking about grace and peace will increase in your life as you know God. Then he says, all that God has provided for you in and through Jesus, for your natural and your spiritual life, it will all flood into your life as a result of you knowing God. Because when we know the person, we experience what the person is and who the person is. Right? And so this is one of the ways that we maximize, that we create an environment for the increase of the manifestation of the goodness of God. Praise God. Pretty powerful stuff. So the key then is in getting to know God more than it is in getting to know about God. Now, you know, we all have our way of getting to know people, but ultimately, you and I both know, you want to get to know someone, spend time with them. That's how you get to know them. You want to get to know someone, have meaningful conversation with that person. Do things together. That's how you get to know the person. And so, you know, instead of making it a ritual and saying, okay, from 6 in the morning until 6.30 in the morning, 
I'm going to get to know you, God. Now, it's good to make appointments. It's good to do that. But at the end of the day, you know, it should be a lifestyle. I know that I'm, I'm starting to learn more and more that getting to know God is just incorporating Him into my life. He is my life. He is part of my life. But I need to acknowledge that, be aware of that. So when I drive, I'm conscious of Him being with me and I talk to Him. I pray to Him. I sing to Him. When I'm watching something, reading something, doing, going about work, I am conscious of Him. I talk to Him. Help me. I don't understand this. Can you help me understand this? I'm about to do this. Can you help me succeed in that? And, you know, what do you think about this, God? And, you know, <laughs> even in just, I mean, this is going to sound silly, but even taking bathroom breaks, it's like, okay, Lord, I know you're with me, but I'm gonna, I need to go real quick. It's just spending time communicating and just incorporating God as your ever-present God, friend, and who's there. That's how we get to know Him. It's good to set time aside. But oftentimes we find as believers that, you know, we have what we call our quiet time. And what we do in our quiet time is get to know about God oftentimes more than it is getting to know God. And the whole heart here is to get to know Him. Amen. So getting to know about God is important, but it should never be confused with getting to know God. Amen. I mean, it would be like Helena, for example, you know, before she decided to marry me, she said, well, I tell you what, let me speak to all the people that know you, your sisters, your mom, your parents, and your school friends and your army friends and, you know, whoever else, your church friends. Let me get to know about you as much as I can. Uh, and then I'll decide if I want to marry you. Now, it's good to do that. I mean, it'll help her to see what kind of a person I am. But ultimately, she had to get to know me in order to make her decision. Amen. And it's the same thing. There's a difference between the two. So knowing about a person, does that doesn't mean that we know that person. This is why the, the, the heart here is for us to get to know God. And so when we get to know that person, we get to experience who and what that person is. And it's the same thing with God. This is why David said in Psalm 34 verse 8 that we read, Taste and see that the Lord is good. What he was really saying to us is engaging, knowing God, and then you'll see for yourself how good God is. Amen. That's, <laughs> that's, so that's the first aspect which help us experience more of God's goodness. It is knowing Him. These are practical things. I don't want you, to, like I said, I don't want these things to become legalistic things in your life. I want these to become a grace life thing. It's where we focus on knowing God more than just knowing about God. Because when we know Him, we'll experience Him, His goodness. Amen. So that's the first aspect. The second aspect and we find that with this in Psalm 34, verse 8, the second part. We read the first part. Now let's look at the second part, because this is where we find our second aspect as far as experiencing God's goodness. Watch this. Remember, he said, <clears throat> Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In context, blessed is the man or the person or the believer who trusts in him. Notice the key word, trusts in Him. And so this is the second 
thing, the second aspect that we need to be mindful of and aware of when it comes to experiencing the goodness of God. It is trusting Him. By trusting in God is also how we get to experience the goodness of God. Isn't that so? I mean, if you, if you got to know me, and then after some time, you were in a bit of a bind, and so you think to yourself, who can I call? Let me call Pastor Marco, because I know him, I've seen what he's like, and I, I, I'm, this is what I'm believing about myself, so don't think I'm trying to make a point or be braggadocious or anything, because I believe we all have room to improvement. But let's just say you said, he's a man of his word, I know he's going to follow through. So you give me a shout and you said, this is the situation, can you help me? And I say, yes. And I give you my word. I can assure you, based on the way I know myself and the way I am, and I'm sure and I'm hoping that those who know me can verify that, that if I told you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. It's just the way I am. And so you can count on that. Why? Because you know me. So you will trust me and you will depend on me because you know me. That's the point that I'm bringing across here. And I'm sure that it's the same with you. The people who trust and depend on you do so because they know you. Those who don't depend and trust in you is because they don't know you. They may know about you, but they have doubt because they don't know you. And in the, in the same way, this is what David is saying to us here. Taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good, because you'll be blessed. Trust Him, and you'll be blessed with His goodness. In context, that's what he's saying. And so it's about trust. And to trust God means to put our total confidence and dependence on Him. In other words, Father, I am believing for your goodness in this situation. I, I, my confidence is in you. My trust is in you. My dependence is on you. That your goodness will manifest in this situation. In other words, yes, I'm going to put in my best. Yes, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do all that I can do. All that I need to do in this situation. But ultimately, I'm not depending on my merit or my performance for your goodness to manifest. Ultimately, I know that it's by your grace and it's your nature. It's because you are good. And so even though I'm engaging with everything I have, because that's what I should do, ultimately, my confidence and trust and dependence is on you for your goodness to manifest for me in this situation. That's what we're talking about. Amen. Look at this in Psalm 31 verse 19. Watch what the psalmist says here. Oh, how great is your goodness. Yes, indeed. Which you have laid up. One translation says stored up. Remember, we looked at this in part one. For those who fear you. See, there it is. Which you have prepared for those who trust in you. So notice, His great goodness that is stored up is released and poured upon us as a result of us fearing God. That doesn't mean being scared of God. It means honor and reverence for God and those who trust in God. Then it says, in the presence of the sons of men. In other words, you boldly put your trust and confidence in God and His goodness is manifested. Now, <clears throat> to help us understand that clearer, let's have a look at that same portion from the voice translation. And watch how it puts it. It's, a, it's just awesome. I love the way it conveys the meaning from the original. 
Watch this. Your overflowing goodness you have kept for those who live in awe of you. And you share your goodness with those who make you their sanctuary. Again, what is being conveyed here is someone who puts their trust and confidence in God. They totally trust Him. They depend on Him. And as a result of that, His overflowing goodness, which has been kept for them, is released and manifested upon their lives. Amen. So you can see clearly there that trust and confidence in God is the pathway to experiencing His goodness as well. So it's knowing Him and trusting and depending on Him. Amen. Look at this beautiful portion here in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25 from the New Living Translation. It says, The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for Him. Notice how the two aspects are clearly portrayed in there. Those who know Him and those who trust Him. Those who depend on Him and search for Him. Amen. Notice not search about Him, but search for Him. So you can see that the way, it's a, <laughs> the way to facilitate the goodness of God in our lives even more. So as I'm speaking to you, I can sense the anointing right now. I can sense faith rising, belief rising. I can sense goodness being poured upon us all. I can sense it here. I can sense it where you are. It's just being poured upon. Something is just happening. Something has just opened even wider in your life <laughs> for that stored goodness to be poured in your life. My knees are about to cave in. That's how I know when the, the presence of God is there, the goodness is there, it's manifesting. Receive it right now in Jesus' name. Praise God. But that's the second aspect which helps us experience more of God's goodness, which is trusting God. So, to conclude, the more we get to know God, the more we trust God, the more we will experience His goodness in our lives. Amen. It's about just knowing Him, trusting Him, and all by His grace, because we are pre-qualified in Jesus. There is nothing we need to do to earn or deserve His goodness. There is nothing that God, because that's His nature, and as we get to know Him, we'll experience Him. As we trust Him, we'll experience it more and more. I can sense it just flowing so powerfully. Just receive it right now in your life. Praise God. Oh, it's amazing. Let's read Jeremiah 31 verse 14, the second part of that verse as we come to a closing. Now, this is a beautiful promise from God. Now, this is speaking to the people of Israel at the time, but also it's prophetically written for us in our time beyond the cross. Watch what God says here. And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Look at that real carefully. Because I really sense right now, as I've sensed the anointing, as I sense what God is doing here today. This is God's word for you. He is speaking to you directly. He is saying this to you right now. At the sound of my voice, this is God speaking to you and saying this to you. You shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. 
receive that today. Amen. Now, this was a promise that God made to the people of Israel back in the day. But it's also His prophetic promise for us today. It is an assurance that we will be content and fulfilled. Because that's what it means to be satisfied. We will be content and fulfilled because of God's goodness. You know, we can be facing situations. We can be facing hardship. We can be facing hard times. We can be facing the best of times. We can be facing a need for healing, a need for prosperity, for blessing, for increase. But yet on the inside, we can be content and fulfilled. Why? Because we understand His goodness is at work in our lives. Amen. That's how wonderful the goodness of God is. Praise God. So in the series, we've looked at expecting God's goodness. And I trust that you expect it all the time. Now we've seen how we can facilitate the experiencing, the manifestation of His goodness more so, because it's already on you in Jesus, but more so as we get to know Him and as we get to trust Him more so. Amen. May His goodness be upon you more so from this day forward in the name of Jesus. Receive that today. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.